This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by a brand new webcomic called Krampus is My Boyfriend, written and drawn by S.M. Biko, the demon-addled high school fantasy comic you've been looking for that updates every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at KrampusIsMyBoyfriend.com. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. Welcome to Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. My name is Sam Biko, and I am certainly long-suffering, and I am here today with <laughs> Justin Curry. And we are watching Greg frantically last minute finish up something that probably should have been done last week, I'm assuming. No, it's good. We're on time, but <laughs> I uh, realize I'm drowning right now. I have uh, a bunch of really great things that all happened uh, at the same time, and also it's Christmas. And you said yes to everything. I have to. New opportunities. You have to say yes. Mm-hmm. You've got to. Yes. And I think on previous episodes, we've talked about how, oh, we're in the downtime. And you guys downtime are. Downtime is a lot. There is no downtime because it, there's that frantic one day where you're like, I don't have enough going on. And then you accept 80 projects. And you're like, what have I done? What so. have I done? Have we just trained our brains to always be overloaded with work well like we're we're so busy and we've got so much going on the rest of the year that when this time comes there's something in your mind that just can't accept that it can relax it just forces you to find new things to it's an anti-survival mechanism well i feel like maybe i'm lying to myself but i feel like last year at this time i did relax did you i think so we came back because we came back from traveling and there was this clear delineation, like it was like now-ish, where uh, the holiday show in Calgary or something around then was over, and it was like now we're home. And Didn't I we just do was you did December? A first, you did December, a first Friday's market. There you go. Yeah. And like December seventh, weren't we back in Vancouver for a Make It show? That's right. And then after that, we came home and it was done. Like we just were, we were just puddles of people. Yeah. And so now it was time to relax. So the difference this year is we decided not to do a bunch of those holiday markets. So that we could relax sooner, <laughs> uh, but then the universe had other plans, and a bunch of things sort of spun up for me. Um, projects and commissions, and projects, commissions, and then on top of that, a film project uh, that I'm involved in, um, and it's so major trite. potential. There. Yeah, it's so trite to be like I can't talk about it, but the truth is I can't talk about it, but I really have to do it. So. One of the principal actors on this project, uh, or one of the people who's lined up to be in the project, it's conditional on a scene that's being filmed right now and sent to him, some recordings that are being sent, and a bunch of production art that I'm going to send in order for this person to be involved. So it is a ton of work without any money, but the potential- The potential is huge. Is that it'll be a huge film, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, or even, I mean, whether or not Honestly, whether it's a big film or a small film, or that'll uh, get made. The people involved in it are people I've always wanted to work with. I hold in very high esteem, and I just feel like really lucky to. Is be. that what they call spec work? Uh, no, this is different because the film's happening no matter what. That part's happening, but um, the cast there's like some casting oh. questions, right? And so. Yeah, it's very weird. Well, and so the only reason why it's a problem, it's not really a problem, it's really exciting, is that I was supposed to have until the new year to be finished this stuff, uh, but then some other people's schedules lined up to say, like, well, if you could show it to us now, we could give you an answer sooner. 
And that Sooner Answer helps the entire team. Like it'll literally help probably 100 people do their job sooner, which then means you better know, chances, better chances for everyone. Happening. So get off your ass. So it's all hands on deck right now on the project to get. And then Gregory looked at his life and said, I've got time. Yeah, totally. I don't who need to sleep. sleep. Yeah. yeah, who needs sleep? So on top of that, I'm finishing Good Boys. Uh, the first draft of Good Boys is supposed to be due at the end of December. That's on track. I'm actually really enjoying the project there. I did a lot of pre-thinking and pre-planning and storyboarding. And so now it's just sort of working the plan. So that's the one part that is just fun work. It's a lot of work, but it's... Can you tell us about... You can tell us about that project. Like, what is it about? Who is it uh, for? Sure. It's for Portage Domain Press. It is a... Um, essentially, it would be like the never-ending story meets Black Hawk Down. Hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? It's sort of like that. It's a uh, story of a failed, a refugee, a family's, a refugee family's flight from a failed state. Um, but it's anthropomorphic animals, and so it's, you know, cat people and dog people, and it's, uh, you know... It's a way to talk about the refugee conversation, to have the refugee conversation without you needing to be an expert on politics, religion, sociopolitics, and it's the geared towards uh, youth and teens. That's right. It's supposed. It's ideally it will be targeted into classrooms uh, in the high school as a way to have a difficult conversation um, without anybody uh, feeling targeted. Everyone picks a side. You're either a cat person or a dog person. <clears throat> Right, and the reason you're a cat person or a dog person is as arbitrary as any other choice you make and that you hold to and you stick to and you're willing to fight for. Um, but it's a little bit easier to have that conversation Absolutely. with a classroom full of forty students. Yes, that's right. I said forty because that's a not an unusual classroom size these days. Oh God, really? Um, so, uh, and I also taught at a high school that had a pretty large percentage of war-affected refugees at it, and we always wanted to have that conversation in the classroom. Students wanted to talk about it, like the students who weren't from those regions. The students from the regions wanted to talk about it, but it was really hard to have a constructive conversation without all this context. You had to, you know, you had to provide so much context. Um, in order for it not to divulge into just basic nationalism or racism like the conversations. And so I just felt like there was a way to have a story or a tool in the classroom where we could be talking about this text, this piece of literature, right? Um, and have it stand in for lots of different things. In like the current climate of just PC and being appropriate and whatnot, do you feel like you could have done a comic about the actual events or is that kind of not your place well so uh i you know my you know my grandparents were refugees so i'm as much a place as anyone else you know they fled from war and came to canada so you know i sit here with all this privilege based on the situation that they went through and so from that perspective and i'm putting a lot of that into the book i'm not trying to say like i understand somebody else's refugee mm -hmm. story i'm saying like here's some pieces of my own family's refugee story thinly veiled in a what is you know ultimately i mean it's dog and cat people so it's like a fantasy setting essentially right it's not a real place the city's not a real city um the geography i specifically put lots of different elements of geography into it so you couldn't say oh you're talking about 
this place or that place or this other place and you just made it dogs and cats people it's 100 percent fictitious the only thing that isn't fictitious in it is that states fail and when they fail it's a big mess and people have to run for their lives and so that's essentially what this project is and it was the first time we've talked about this on the podcast before first time i ever had an idea came up with the pitch brought it right to a publisher and they said yes um, like within a span of 10 days oh right the worst <laughs> um, normally it takes and i have other projects that you know are still homeless that i've been working on for years mm-hmm. so it was just the right right idea time at the right time with the right mm-hmm. publisher for the right climate magic is everywhere and all over the world it's a recognized fact always and you have an established relationship with this publisher and they understand your process and they've seen your work and they've worked with you. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. Will I See with them and mm-hmm. David Alexander Robertson and uh, Isque. And they... You did some work on 150 Years Retold. I did, well. yeah. I did. Well, I was doing two projects, two stories for that. And then, uh, and we talked about this on the podcast a little bit too, we pivoted out of one of those stories. So it turned out I was a good fit for one, but not for the other. And that, actually, why I'm actually really excited to work with them on Good Boys is because, how do I put this? Um, It's really difficult to disagree with people when there's a power imbalance, right? When your publisher doesn't like something that you do, you feel a need to acquiesce, to do what you're being asked because they're the boss, right? But if you have a situation that is creative, it's, it's not always best to just give in to what you're told or asked for. And at a certain point, you have to say, you know, it's not working. And the way they behaved when it wasn't working was so, like, it was the perfect example of what you want in a relationship of like, hey, that didn't work out. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. It's not working very well. Versus there's clients out there who will just say like, no, we own this. We're paying you. You do what we want. Yeah. Or that your next project is in jeopardy because this one yeah. is not working. Oh, right. he was difficult on that last one. So I don't think we'll be doing anything with him again for a bit. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the, it was the complete opposite. It was, mm-hmm. you know, sorry that didn't work. We're really looking forward to Working on Good Boys, which is coming up in our schedule, you know, when you want to It's a bit of relief. Yeah, it was such a relief. (laughs) You didn't screw up on that first date. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But also you felt comfortable enough to have that conversation with them, which is really important. Like a lot of creators just feel like if I do a misstep, there goes my career. Or um, I don't want to make anyone mad, so I will just toe the line. And that's that's nice to see. A lot of artists are meek. Yeah, because we're like, oh, I get this one opportunity. It's yeah. all I get. Yeah, but some are also like awful tyrants. And I keep hearing these tyrant <laughs> stories. And I think, like, how do those people keep having jobs? Um, but they keep getting offered jobs. Um, but so, not yeah. you. What's that uh, The Venn diagram of, like, you can be a nice person and expensive? Yeah, Neil Gaiman made that famous. That's right, yeah. It's like you can be, um, your work has to be better than everybody. And then you can be a dick. On time, yeah. and you have to be pleasant to hear from. Yeah. But you only need two of any three of those things. So mm-hmm. if you are you know, pleasant to hear from and your work's always in on time, eh, maybe it doesn't have to be the greatest. And if your work is always in on time and it's better than everybody else's, then yeah, you can be a tyrant. You know, So you can mix and match. It's but really please a don't be a tyrant. Of, of opportunity. <laughs> this is not a PSA to give you permission to be a tyrant. Be a nice bean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I found that like very um, 
something I wasn't expecting, like going to different trade shows and actually meeting the, the artists behind the work that I was a big fan of. Uh, what was the one recently? Danny. Oh, it's like Danny Daniel. Danny. If you look up. Uh, Danny Shattered Houses. He worked on, he did a Crimson Peak uh, Mondo poster and he's done, he has this great style where it's a lot of like old buildings and old architecture just kind of like exploding up into the air and I've always been a big fan because I feel like we're kind of, our styles look a little similar. Um, and I met him in person and he was like the nicest, sweetest guy ever and so now I like his work more. And that same weekend I met another guy who I won't name but I, I was a fan of his work for years and after a 10 minute conversation with him, I hate looking at his stuff now. Oh. <laughs> because I talked to him and, and it's just the it. kind of person he was. Yeah. Like, like why would you want to support someone who's such yeah. a... Yeah, and without naming names, there is a comic artist who I admired their work from afar for years and years, like decades, like probably my whole reading life. And then when I met them in person, I was like, okay, well, everyone, you know, people have off days or, you know, whatever. Maybe it was just me. And then as I did more and more shows, I started to see that person more and more often. And like, oh. Don't meet your idols. Which, you know, in some regards, if we cycle back to the beginning of this conversation about the secret unnamed project, um, I have some trepidation about it because I may have an opportunity to meet some people who in my, you know, in the stars of the constellations that I look to for guidance, right? There they are. And if I meet them and they're totally awful, will it change you? You know, if you're always guiding yourself by the North Star and suddenly it went out, yeah. <laughs> right. How would you find your way? That's sort of how I feel. The, uh, you become your North. The star. artist's name that I was talking about was Dan. He goes under Daniel Danger online, and his Crimson that Peak. You forgot your middle name is Danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Greg. But yeah, he uh, he does some amazing stuff. A lot of limited edition oh, posters, and yeah, his uh, his light. His attention to detail Stealing is this idea. is nuts. Yeah. Look at those lights. Don't don't go on the podcast saying that you're gonna steal something after you've named the person. Yeah, Daniel Danger, GMB is stealing your stuff. Okay, Daniel Danger. I would just like, in full disclosure, to say that I have this scene I'm working on right now in Good Boys where there's a shattered ceiling in it, and I want the light beams to come through. Oh, and he has so and, many shattered ceilings. And Justin in his just handed portfolio. me your Crimson Peak poster where you have so expertly solved the issue of contrast and poster, light though. and depth. <laughs> So thank you for the inspiration, which I may apply to an upcoming <laughs> composition. Is that yeah. better? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was very smooth. Right. Yeah, very appropriate. Uh, and what's going on with you over there, Justin, in the, in the quote unquote dark tea time? Yeah. Um, so same deal as Gregory. Um, I haven't even finished my list yet, but carry on. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll come, we'll, we'll come back. I have an email to send you. Get, talk get back to your email. Um, all throughout... Uh, so yeah, our convention season is typically March until November. Don't do that. <laughs> and it's a ton of fun, but usually around late September, we have like three or four events usually, and October is three or four events, and they're all really, really big ones. The New York Comic Con, it's our local big show. With we, they're like we, four or five, six-day travel. Yeah, so it's September and October seem to always kind of burn me out. I really like doing conventions, but around that time of year, I can't like... I'm still enjoying myself, but I'm also very much looking forward to the downtime. And I kind of promise myself often during those months that like when November hits, I'm gonna like actually laze around and play video games and do these things and like 
not do these things, like just actually relax. I always promise myself these things and they don't usually happen as much as I'd like them to. We did end up playing some video games, which was fun. Played the new Spider-Man. Played the new Spider-Man. Shout out for a wildly successful game that doesn't need our help to promote it. Um, Shortly after the break started, I got rehired by Marvel again. So I'm doing concept art for Marvel. Um, And it's for one of the upcoming films. And I'll be able to talk about which film when that comes out. Uh, I was previously hired by them to work on Ant-Man and Wasp, doing some concept art for the, uh, the villain and some product art. Um, and it's kind of the same internal conversation that I had with, like that you were having with Portage and Maine, that like on some of the changes, I, we had like a little bit of a back and forth and I didn't have to fight them on too many things. They were really, really good to work with. But when the project was done, I couldn't help but wonder like, did I do a good enough job that they'll want me back? Like, yeah, did do they, they, do they still like me? Are they so, when you Praise uh, me, please. Well, yeah, but also you get into this. It's a fearful mindset, but it is a real mindset where you wonder, okay, were they just being polite when they said they accepted the pushback that you gave? <laughs> uh, and the tacit understanding is that if you never receive work from them ever again, they were just being polite. And or they, maybe they just didn't need right? you. you. They don't a want right fit. you. <laughs> but if they call you up again, then they were being honest, yeah. right? They were saying, you know, yes, you had some troubles, but they called you up and you're going to do some work again and that means there's this level of professional people get caught up in I've been having lots of conversations with lots of people about people taking things personally Mm. right and I think we're in a it's especially hard with artists yeah and Mm. we're in an era where there are a lot of things you should take personally right going on right now which are being aired in all kinds of arenas that we don't have to get into and bravo for that but as a result I think people's are on their last nerve, kind of. You know, there's only so much bad news, there's only so much hard emotional content that you can consume from your, from the, you know, social media is just full of hard stuff right now. And so people are kind of taking everything so personally. Like if you're, if all your media, if all your inputs are kind of like pleasant or distracting, then you have a little bit more fuse. Which part of the right? internet are they hanging out in? God, every part of the internet right now is, <laughs> is a tough place to be, but an important place. There's important conversations happening, but that's not what people are used to doing there, right? They're used to it being a distraction and it is increasingly becoming a, you know, as one of our other friends, you know, um, the civil war is being fought right now, but in words. So uh, people are used up. And so in other arenas of their lives, I've been getting all these questions and these sort of things like, oh, am I taking this too personally? And I think that as just, a result of everything else, everything and else being this... so painful that then they're in their work environment and they are on their last nerve, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So I don't know how we got onto that topic. I'm going back to my email. <laughs> <laughs> it's useless to try and explain it to you. You wouldn't understand. It all seems so absurd. So fantastic. And you're also doing a bunch of commissions and... Yeah, I kept... uh, I try not to take on any commissions at all during the convention year. So a lot of people I've been telling, get a hold of me, come November, and we can talk about commissions. Um, And as a result, there was, yeah, I I got quite the influx of requests for commissions. I've been working that all out. Um, Trying not to take on too much on top of everything else because I'm also working on... The next graphic novel, uh, Dragon Annie, with uh, 
Greg and Sam will be editing, and then we have our 3D artist, Will Little. Uh, we'll be doing 3D uh, renders of the robot again, and the first five, six pages are done, and I'm super excited about it. And I had a, uh, I've been excited to tell you guys, I had a good idea for just, um, I was watching the, the animated show Hilda yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, great show, yeah. The, the trick that they use, which I absolutely love and I'm totally going to steal, is that there's two different versions of every... You've been inspired I've been inspired by, by Hilda. Apply this, yes. So there's two different versions of every character. There's the full detail version when they're in full frame. And then they have all these pull-out shots where they almost turn into stick figures. Like their legs and arms turn into like just lines and they have dot eyes. And That's it's a like, trick from Manga too. Manga does that. Yeah. On the extreme pullouts, you'll get these super. It's a simplified simple. mini version yeah. of them. It's almost like a, they turn into a chibi version, and yeah. I just love that idea. So I'm gonna have the full detailed version of the robot, and then he's gonna have a chibi version for all the scenes where he's off. Well, in the you distance. know what's exciting about that too is we've never done wide environment shots, um, in the same way. So we're really close up in Cassian Tonk. Like it's you know it's like TV acting where the cameras right on their faces yeah. for most I wasn't of as good as environments I think rust and water I rust and water then we came out a little bit mm -hmm. wider in the environments but it's the ocean right so you can only get so wide before yeah. you wouldn't be able to see anything but in this mountainscape oh to show that Matt I'm yeah that's gonna be yesterday great. all I did was uh, I worked on environments I, I didn't look at any storyboards or any characters I was just in my environment building world and I wasn't trying to adhere to any point in the story I just wanted to build the world and then the story will come to it as we need it. Right. So it was just environment day yesterday, and it was mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah, and like building those assets is what takes the most time. And yeah. then you can worry about foreground and character and yeah. later. I also, I loved when Scott Ford was working on Arkland, the guy from our previous uh, podcast. One of the first pieces of concept art he did was the, um, the girl's house. Oh, I forget her name. Karen. Karen. Karen's house. And he had this, it was a great landscape shot of the house in the daytime, and then he did an alternate print of that house in the, in nighttime, the nighttime, and the color scheme was completely inverted to purples and blues, and, yeah. and it's just such a, a simple idea, but it just, it looked amazing. So I'd like to do a couple, my favorite environments, I need to do daytime shots and nighttime shots mm -hmm. with that different color scheme. I'm excited about that as well. You know, you say simple ideas, but it's a brave idea. You know, simple things are brave in comics. Like, we feel like we need these big set changes and these big um, sweeping action moments or character close-ups or just whatever. You need feel like you need trickery. But something as simple as presenting the same scene twice, but the sun is in a different place, and so all the shadows and light are now revealing something completely different. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's opened my eyes there. Because he has a, another scene like that where the, like, the lights are on in the some sort of subterranean realm. And then you can see it sort of well lit and then you see it dim just lit by lanterns. He had mm -hmm. some of that in the concept work too, which was also... He also had like bioluminescent plants and he had environments That's lit what by it was, plants. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you saw them sort of before and after, yeah. after dark. But like when you're doing world building, and especially in comics, that's you're exactly doing that. You're just, you're building these things. And maybe these are environments that you won't use. Maybe, you know, you're just trying to get into the zone of what exactly this place is. And it's, it's really interesting now. Um, like Cassie and Tonk was ruined cityscape and forest. Rust and water was the sea and like molten stuff towards the climax. And now this is just like high up mountainscapes where it's just fully lit. 
where there isn't like unless you're in a cave there's really nowhere where you can where it's just going to be mostly in shadow um so it's going to be it's, i've been watching i've been standing over justin's shoulder as he's doing this project so i'm he's he is doing it Working we're, we're very excited it's um, been neat because we did how long ago was that when we did the creative retreat and you like disappeared for two days and then came back with this big stack of storyboards it wasn't that long ago. Was it was that this summer or was, it was it last Yeah, summer? so a year and a half ago. year and a half ago, yeah. yeah. We did. But what's, I think, I find with like all the, the projects, um, you have that big sprint or that big burst where you figure it all out for the first time and then you need to almost forget about it, get away from it for a little bit and come back with fresh eyes again, which is what happened with Dragon Man. We, we finished that entire storyboard and story a year and a half ago. But now that we're revisiting it now, we're kind of seeing where the issues with the pacing and the overall story were. And last week we rewrote the entire ending to something I think is a lot stronger and different. Well, and the reason for that ending change. Okay, so dear listener, we were... uh, Justin gave us a great suggestion that we should spend a day away from our screens or at least away from the studio still working. We just went to a coffee shop and we camped there for like five hours. It was five hours, yeah. Can we do that again? Yeah, we'll do it again soon. (laughs) And so Justin and I uh, left our screens behind and we just took sketchbooks and just did analog. Like we had lots of work to do that, and there was a lot of thinking time that you need um, in this job where you, you just don't take it in large lumps. So for it just felt like a total decompression, even though we basically ignored each other and just worked quietly the entire time. Just a quick change of scenery and a change of tools and some new ideas came out. And while we were working on that, Justin pulls out his headphones, he looks up, and he has this disappointed look on his face. And I'm like, what's up? Because he's working on Dragon Nanny storyboards, so I want him to be happy, obviously. <laughs> right? And he's looking, and he shows me all these little character beats and moments for a character we had that we had as the villain and uh, you know quote unquote hanging air quotes over villain here he says you know the character learns too much and too many things are happening that are that should change the character for it just to have this one note for it just to be bad after all what if our ending is wrong and I think you know the most fun is to allow yourself to say, okay, right? Then it's wrong. Let's just take 20 minutes, an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it is, and just run the whole idea out to the end if we change all of this, right? So in my mind, we were done, and Justin just had the work to do. And now it was, no, we're starting over, kind of. And the end that came out of it was a lot more honest for what we built along the way. And that comes down to, we've talked about it before, like not being too precious with your ideas, recognizing when something's not working and being able to roll with the punches and change it was something early on was really hard to do. You, You were so attached to your original idea, you never wanted to stray. But as I've done more projects and worked on more books, I realize that the evolution of the story is is important to it being a better story. That that original concept isn't precious. Do you ever feel like you're uh, betraying your original idea, Sam, when you... 
I've been there for sure. Um, no. And I maybe 10 years ago, I would have felt like that. Like, oh, it has to be that way. Yeah. Um, now, like you just kind of have to be so much more flexible, especially with whatever message you're trying to get across. And um, and there, it's all there's no harm in being like, well, let me explore that and let me see if it works. And maybe it could, maybe it couldn't and what the pros and cons are. Um, but I think being being too rigid just doesn't help you. He's really ugly, isn't he? Don't be afraid to say so. Can't understand you anyway. He speaks only Romanian. I just listened to a uh, DGA podcast. I can't think of the director's name, but he did Hostiles, right? Mm. Um, Super uplifting film. <laughs> In a way, it is. It's really <laughs> no, it's it's, it's a complicated movie. Complicated movie. Um, but I listened to the director's podcast, uh, or where they're interviewing him about the film, and they shot two endings of that film without telling anybody. Oh. So um, they did it two ways so that he could decide. He knew that, here's what I'm taking away. Here's what, what this has to do with what we're talking about. Here is a person who has a script, a vision, a plan. They plan it. They shoot it. It's going well. They have the A-listers in Hollywood behind them. They have a big studio that can you know get the bills paid, and everything is working. It should work. But he still thought this is a problematic film, I know that audiences might find other voices in this movie that I didn't intend. And when I'm in the edit, now as an audience member putting it together, I may see another voice that I didn't intend. What I planned and what I delivered or what I collected in footage might not match up. So it'd be smart to have two endings to choose from, right? And to shoot them both. Yeah. And to have them so that if I decide, like, I know what the movie is about. This is what it is about. And then when I'm editing it, you go, oh, no. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. about a different thing. It can't have this this kind of ending. I don't want to spoil it for you. You should see the film. I don't know if you should. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good film. Yeah. It's just not a It will raise time. a lot of questions. <laughs> if you think about it for a metaphor of all America, I think that is the way. The history of America. Watch the history of America as hostiles. Okay. So we know what Greg is up to. What I'm up to, Sam. Oh no, your turn. Because <laughs> you've been also very busy with all kinds of things. I sure have. And again, I had this same. Oh, finally, we've reached December, <laughs> and now I can rest. Um, and I t- was resting for two days, and I was like, enough rest. It's time to kill myself again. <laughs> um, so I finished *The Brilliant Dark*, which is book three in my *Realms of Ancient* trilogy, and so it has I've a been... really cool-looking cover too. Yeah, yes, really so that's very nice. Um, sorry, CW, I did show my friends because they're nice folks. But oh, I'll are sh- we not allowed to? Know about it? <laughs> but I will share it after the sales team has looked at it. But it's been finalized now. I got the finals, um, so that's very exciting. So it's going to be a book. Wonderful and hooray! But I'm also in the <laughs> editing phase, and this is a this book was longer than the others and also when you reach book three and you're closing off a series you you have to tie up every single thread from the first two books so that's been challenging um and I've had to do a lot of rewrites but actually it's been it's been great because my editor has actually asked me to add more (laughs) so it's been kind of one of the reverse situations where oh we should cut this back and you know we should really lean this out and they're like no no there should be more of this there should be more of that you need to write a whole scene with this and so that's been fun so um I just handed in part five. The books are split into five parts, so we're getting into copy edits soon. So it's motoring along, but 
Uh, I think I've talked about this before, where these books are, they're very dark. They have a lot of really heavy themes. They are for young adults, but they're like apocalyptic gods, teenagers with like powers and tragic pasts and all this stuff. And so I really wanted to do something that didn't make me feel like I was weighed down by just sadness and misery. (laughs) Um, So once the book was done, I started, well, not really once it was done, I started conceptualizing a comic and I've talked about that too. Also, um, I started doing just random storyboards for it when I was at Icon, when I was just at my table. Best title of a webcomic this year, for sure. Um, Krampus is my boyfriend. Yes, that is what it's (laughs) called. Krampus is my boyfriend. Uh, It's very self-explanatory. That's what the whole comic is about. But it's uh, it's geared, again, towards YA and teens, like the protagonists are teenagers just going to school. Um, And I just started... I don't know why I just started doing it. it. Just kind of poured out of me, kind of like what Justin was talking about when he just sort of sat down and was just like a story. <laughs> and but there were so many th- other. That's basically <laughs> our creative process. Yes. How it works. A yeah. story. Yeah, it's like a bagpipe, and it just comes out. <laughs> it's a horrible noise. Um, but I had other things going on, and so I had this pile of like concept sketches and thumbnails, and I just put it aside. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll get get to that soon." And as finally the brilliant dark was finishing up, I was like, "You know, maybe I'll give it a shot." But I have always wanted to make a comic, even before I got into publishing. I wanted to work specifically with graphic novels. Um, but you know, during my training, there wasn't there weren't really internships, there weren't really publishers just doing that. So um, there was that whole thing, and I had to creatively put aside art for a long time because I focused on writing instead. And every time I would sit down to draw, I would have this um, this huge, horrible pressure moment of everything I'm drawing is crap. It's horrible. So why am I even bothering? You know, not really even at that time understanding you get better with practice, like with everything else. Like I knew that but didn't know that. And so I just kept kind of wayside-ing it, wayside-ing it until 10 years passed. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of development I could have been doing. Um, so in October, oh, God, oh, oh no. Um, in October, I just bought a brand new sketchbook and I just started filling it with those crappy sketches. And then all of a sudden the sketchbook was full and it was full of panels and things that would eventually go into... Gregory? So Gregory, Gregory is, is just, just frantically running around. Where it is. He's forgotten something? No, or I remembered something. He remembered something. No. Like so it was on topic. It was going to be so, <laughs> such a perfect segue, but I can't but find my But he's managed to like make us all uncomfortable yeah, in like, a very I'm short amount of time. My, yeah, wow. <sighs> just like a scraggly long I man. Where it is. Does anyone know where my... Oh, there it is. There it is. In any case, I just went for it, and I decided I'm going to do the first six or seven pages, um, and I'm just going to throw them up online, and then I'm going to kind of see where it goes. And I've just had so much fun, and I premiered it on Krampus Night, which is December 5th, and it's just at http dot dot slash slash krampusismyboyfriend.com, and you can just view the pages for free. I'm trying to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but I mean, we'll see. Um, see. (laughs) That's very ambitious, especially I don't have a buffer. Success. So so my friend Anagire 
is a author and she recently tweeted the following thing which i screen captured for just this moment i figured this would come up and so what i had done by the way is run around looking for my jacket somewhere in this studio dear listener that's what made them uncomfortable because first i had to squeeze past justin then i had to but run he like frantically caressed him him away by. <laughs> and then it turned out sam was sitting on my jacket so then i had to come to where she was sitting and rummage around behind her while she was talking so i apologize for disrupting the entire flow of our event stages of a book by anna giray you can follow her at miss anna giray on twitter one this is the best thing ever two this is the worst thing ever three i don't care anymore just get it done four this is my editor's problem now <laughs> five oh look i have revision notes six dramatic interlude Eight, fixes stuff. Nine, this is okay, maybe. <laughs> Ten, this is a book I wrote. Yep. Right? That's really that, accurate. It's right? so painfully accurate. And she yeah. has written quite a few So books. many. Yes, yeah, so many. So, so many. she has the context. But yeah, you always, and I think you should ride that high. You need to ride that high where I'm excited about this. And when you get to the this is crap, you have to just, you have to just work through it. Well, and she, uh, so... Uh, we were at, I was a guest of HorrorCon in Portland, and she was there staying with us at Lee Moyer's place. We were all having a great time. And then she got an email uh, and was like, oh, hey, can we go to the mall later? Like she got it on her phone. And we're like, why? Well, um, I'm supposed to be traveling and on my vacation after this, but I just got a text or email from my editor. Uh, I got a book deal that I wanted to get, but the, the trick is I have to write it in the next like 14 days in order to get it in on the time. Trick. So I have to go buy a laptop so that I can write the book while I'm <laughs> traveling. And what I thought, like, wow, that should have been like something that you say like in a frantic, like, oh my God, I have to go do this or I can't believe it. She would just like, so I have to go get a laptop. I'm going to write this book in the next two weeks. Right? Because I, I just have to have a first draft in. Mm-hmm. And the way in which she just so calmly stated her problem and then began to solve the problem was like okay well this is the calm and collected way in which a writer should approach the many tumultuous like Mm -hmm. the writing part wasn't didn't concern her at all she was like that part i can do Mm -hmm. just fitting it into this schedule is the hard part Mm -hmm. so i have to go buy a laptop because i don't have one i'm traveling right now and i just man yeah wish wish i was there right it's a yeah. lot of I, I'm a house fire inside. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's tr- right. But I'm trying to keep it together, but I am just crumbling. Um, but whatever. I once read that names which begin with the letter S are the names of snakes. So on top, on top of everything else that I've got going on, um, I'm also producing and have... and uh, So Andreas Sargson and I are doing a play called Red Earth, which is going to be on a pretty major theater stage here in Winnipeg, uh, Prairie Theatre Exchange, and we are, it's a, there's an experimental part of the process whereby I have to create a book that goes along with it. I gave, we gave the story to playwrights who are writing drafts of the play based on our story outline, but I can't make the book until I see the finished play. Um, I know it's based on the story that we gave, but we gave the playwrights the same agency you want to have as a writer which is like take this you know let the story be have a different ending if you want you know like that's fine 
Um, but we're in this really compressed time schedule where I am going to basically be given a version of my own story. And then I have to reinterpret it as a journal written in a technical manual from the space mission. But first I have to design the technical manual that is then going to be written over top of. And that all has to happen in the next couple of months. So I'm also mildly panicked about how I'm going to fit that in, in and around everything else that I have going on. Uline is here. Oh, Emily's here. Emily, you want to be on our podcast? So Uline exists as a keystone to this whole studio. Shout yeah. out to Uline. <laughs> Woo! Um, so for those of you who don't know, so we've been interrupted, but we might as well just roll with it. Um, Uline helps make our business uh, possible. Uh, we make the art and we take it places, but part of the packaging, shipping, and the all the stuff that you don't kind of want to worry about, we order from Uline. And, That's sleeves uh, the, and chipboards and yeah. envelopes and, pa- and, and just packing, packing boxes, boxes and, and poster <laughs> bags and, you know. So if you're looking for... Those a, million things that we used to, like, scour the city trying to find, like, the best place to get them. In bulk. Kind of, yeah, that's the thing. We, we need them in bulk. Now, yeah, when so. you need them five or six at a time, there's lots yeah. of places that are maybe cheaper in the city locally. But if you need them 100 or 500 at a time... Um, yeah, because it turns out there's more to being an artist on the road than just making the art and showing up. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Oh, man. Yeah. So, actually, this podcast is a nice uh, microcosm of the macrocosm that is our life right now. It started with me ignoring you two while we were doing a thing we're supposed to be doing so I could finish sending an email off the, you know, a supplier has arrived in the middle of us talking about how busy we are doing other stuff, and you just have to pivot and kind of go with it. Like, it's just... Yeah. And at the same time, be super creative and make stories people want to listen to and consume. Easy. It's easy. It's, it's fine. Easy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the whole point of this podcast was to be like, hey, we're not busy right now, but we are busy. We're and so busy. You've described it. The house fire inside. And yes. And we've made ourselves busy. And it is it is tough. Like, um, Justin was kind of talking about this earlier, where, like, do we do this on purpose to ourselves? Um, is it like a, an anti-survival mechanism where it's like FOMO? Like, you don't want to miss out, so you have to say yes to everything. I know, like, Quirkylicious right now is at home, like, working on three new paintings. Oh, I know. I saw him working. Yeah. And he just went on a vacation. Like, you know, he went out of his way to go away for two weeks to just chill. Um, And I think when you are your self-directed own business, especially in the arts, you have to build in vacation time where you're not doing anything or where, you know, you are just working on the art. You can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to rest. And then you just ignore your calendar where you're like, this is my rest time. And then people come to you and they're like, you want to do this? And you're like, sure, I'm sure I'm free. I'm sure it's fine. I wonder, too, what parts of our lives are going to be the things we come back to, like which creative parts. I think of this because last night I went to see Suspiria, the original 1977 horror movie Suspiria. Um, So it was screening in Winnipeg and the original, one of the original soundtrack creators um, from the band Ghost was also in Winnipeg and they played the soundtrack live with the film. So this is work. I love that that's a new trend that's happening. Right? No, so this... it was Goblin. Goblin, pardon me, what did I say? Ghost. Ghost, Goblin. No, it's not. It's very, I've made a faux pas. But Goblin. The point here is that in 1977, they made a movie, likely working work for hire at a frantic pace, right? Trying to get this to pair with the film and get it out to the market. 
now it's 2018 and they are touring around the world playing and appreciating this thing that is you know should be long forgotten in a sense mm -hmm. in their creative lives and so i wonder what will be the things that we return to sort of for fun and <laughs> profit right hopefully we're just we'll always be getting better and doing better things though right but also still enjoying it. That's what, I, that's, that's I what I'm coming that around to. I still yeah, enjoy so it. Right? What I like about it was that here is, um, you know, their, the music associated with the film, the themes and things that you recognize from the movie were in there, clearly, because, the, you know, I didn't know enough about the film and I didn't know too much about the music, but the people I was there with were really into it. But then there was all these things they added to and did live and did, you know, it was like it improvisational yeah, theater, cool. live to a film that, you know, had been part of their lives for so long. So I hope that something that we have worked on, we don't mind coming back to, you know, almost 40 years later and still be interested in adding something to it. So, hopefully. Well, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. And where Gregory makes genre as we're doing the podcast. That's right. Yes, also true. So um, I am encouraging all of you to join the fight and make comics.